Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 163, and we are recording on October 13th. I'm Sharif Williams here with Jen Northington, and today, in the spirit of both recording on Friday the 13th <laughs> and during the month of Halloween, we're going to talk about ghosts, which is a favorite topic of mine. I don't know about you. Yes. I love it when recordings happen on Friday the 13th for this show. It makes me like extremely happy <laughs> every time that it happens. I'm <laughs> like, yes, Friday the 13th recording. It's so funny. And yeah, you know, I have a hashtag complicated relationship with ghosts, but I was the one you who suggested did. this theme and I regret nothing. So <laughs> we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, we will. I am so curious about your picks. I know there's one I really like and I think mm. ours are, at least one of my picks is is pretty different from yours. So it's always nice to yeah, have No, I think yours are, yes, we have yeah, a we range. Do. We have a range. Well, before we start talking about our ghostly SFF picks, I want to tell you about, oh, yeah, we have our holiday gifting episode coming up. I mm-hmm. always, always <laughs> forget that we talk about this so early. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not early for like every single store out there, but yeah, tis the almost season to do some holiday gifting. So we are taking questions for our holiday gifting episode. So if you want to find some book recommendations for people on your gift list. If you want to gift yourself a book even, we don't mind that. That's great. You can email us Mm. at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And I believe that episode is going to be in early-ish November. So try to get those. Somewhere around there. Try to get those questions in this month if you can. And we can't wait to see what you all are interested in purchasing for your friends and family. And then I also wanted to tell you about something certainly near and dear to Jen's heart. (laughs) (laughs) Tailored book recommendations, TBR. It is autumn. I am definitely putting on my bulky knit sweaters and breaking out the blankets and the books. And if you are too, you can curl up with a great read that is recommended by TBR. So whether it's romance, creepy reads, modern classics, or escapist reads that you crave and are looking for, TBR can help you find 
the perfect books for your fall reading. There are so many options curated to your specific reading tastes. Our bibliologists do an amazing job choosing books that are very specific to your interests and what you've read already, so you don't have to worry about getting repeats. So visit mytbr.co. Again, that's mytbr.co to find out more and to sign up. It only takes a few minutes. And now let's hear from a sponsor and talk about some news. All right, I'm going to kick us off and I'm going to get the sort of sad piece done Mm. first. This is sad, but very important as well. So Melinda Lowe writing at MelindaLowe.com talks about book banning that's happened with her books. And this is an issue that you know, we cover a lot. Kelly Jensen, Book Riot editor, has been doing a really amazing job covering book banning news. And if you want to check out that coverage and find out what you can do, definitely check out literaryactivism.substack.com. And we don't get much of an opportunity to talk about it here. It doesn't always directly intersect with Mm. SFF, the stories that come out, because it's so expansive. The book banning is just like every kind of book you can think of Mm -hmm. um, is being hit by this terrible wave of banning. And Melinda Lowe speaks very intimately and personally about her own experience with book banning. And we've talked about Melinda Lowe quite a lot on this show. Ash and Huntress are like amazing Mm. books that do something really interesting with the fairy tale format. And, you know, she, she writes queer content. Both of those stories have queer characters and she does this beautifully and she talks about how often like she dives into the data of her own books being banned which must have been like i can't imagine this exercise like actually performing it and going Mm. through all of these challenges and reading these Really terrible shame. Like, these people are obviously trying to shame queer people for reading Mm -hmm. these books, queer writers for writing these books. And so to go into it and look up the data and spreadsheet it all must have been difficult. But she talks about her complicated feelings in regards to this. And her own coming out story and how she felt, you know, that sense of shame. She came out when it was not welcome. Like queer coming out was not a thing that was celebrated in the way it is today. Even though obviously we are having some real problems Mm -hmm. 
with people who do not want queer identity celebrated. And so you can read the whole thing. It's really worth the read. She goes in depth into the data. She talks about more than Ash and Huntress. One of the most banned books that she's written is Last Night at the Telegraph Club, which is a YA historical fiction. And I just, I found it heartbreaking and also really insightful. Like, it brought home the story of book banning in a way that was more personal than I had read elsewhere, because usually it's new stories about just, you know, who's doing what. Mm. And then, yeah. So I I would just read the whole thing. It deserves a, a full read. And... Just brace yourself for some of these terrible challenge letters that people wrote. Yeah, it is. It's tough reading. I really appreciated also how she talks about her experience as a Chinese American and becoming a U.S. citizen after immigrating with her family and like how similar, Mm. like where the U.S. is headed in terms of censorship is like very much in line with what has happened in China and continues to happen in China. And I think that's like, I really appreciate that perspective as well as all of the other things that you said. I mean, this is horrifying. It's so important. I do want to shout out our colleagues here at Riot. Um, Kelly Jensen in particular and Danica Ellis have been doing amazing work covering this really difficult, upsetting topic. And Kelly writes an email newsletter called Literary Activism that is so chock full of resources and information that I use to keep track of what's going on locally for me. Because if I try to think too hard about like, you know, the national stuff I get, I just want to die. Like I just want to crawl under a rock and never come back out. But if I focus on the local stuff, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I know who to send a letter to about that. Like I can do, I can do at least something about that as a constituent that feels, you know, concrete and meaningful. And like, I vote in your district. So you have to care at least a little bit about mm-hmm. what I'm saying to you. So I really highly recommend, I'll leave a link in the show notes to that. Highly recommend. Because I just, you know, I'd sometimes I can't read the whole thing. It's too much for me, but I'll do, you know, I'll search for my state and then I'll look at those. And sometimes I read the whole thing because it's important. So, but I just, this is a great, it's a great tool for starting where you are with this. Yeah. Issue. It's nice to have somewhere to go to find out what you can actively do. Yes to combat this. Yeah. And so many great resources for like how to like scripts and like how to call and how to talk and how to go to a meeting if that's something you can do. Like, oh, so good. So good. Well, I have another sad one. Sad and celebratory at the same time as these always are. So this was reported, I mean, many, many places, but the piece I'm referring to is from The Guardian, reported on by David Barnett. Um, Keith Giffen, who was a comic book artist and writer, has died. He created Rocket Raccoon, who, you know, y'all probably are familiar Mm -hmm. with because Guardians of the Galaxy like blew that business up. Um, He also created Jamie Reyes, the Blue Beetle uh, for DC, so has worked for both Marvel and DC, um, worked on tons of things that you may have read, was very influential and beloved in the comics world. Um, and yeah, he recently passed away. Um, so the comics book world is celebrating his work um, and mourning his passing. And I really loved 
This roundup had some lovely tributes from folks whose names I recognize, like, you know, Gail Simone and Mark Millar, and was a nice overview of his work. I didn't realize how many of the properties that he had worked on I had Mm -hmm. read. So this is just to shout that out and pay respect to his passing. Yeah, he was obviously beloved by a lot of creators and writers. So it's it's always sad to see somebody who's done so much path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my next one takes us to a more lighthearted place. <laughs> <laughs> so I really love when McSweeney's does its funny business. And there was an SFF tie-in with a Rick Steves review of dangerous fantasy locations. And this was written by Kurt, and I am so sorry if I'm pronouncing this last name wrong, Zemititis. And I will say that I wasn't even particularly blown away by the list of places or the descriptions, but I loved the concept of this because Rick Steves is, you know, as as probably many of you know, prolific American travel mm. writer and personality. And the idea of somebody like that, he, he's very like, <laughs> how, to, how to describe Rick Steves? <laughs> Earnest and, and like you're... Average Joe who encouraged people to, like, travel and do so outside their comfort zone. So it's kind of a good, it's it's a good pairing because dangerous fantasy locations, of course. And so there are some familiar ones. Unfortunately, there is one location by, from she who will not be named. I will not talk about that one. Mm. But, you know, the very familiar sites like the Shire and Endor, which I'm always pleased to see because... I love the Ewoks so much. (laughs) And I would 100% travel to Endor, even though I think I would not be welcome because I would treat them all like teddy bears. And, you know, the Wizard of Oz. So it's science fiction and fantasy places. And I just love the satirizing of, you know, very familiar, very beloved classical places. But I would also love to see the same sort of thing with a more expansive and inclusive mm. list of of fantasy and science fiction locales because it feels like there is so much fodder for this sort of thing yeah. out there and it would tickle me endlessly to read about some of my favorite places from recent reads. I don't know. I just found it entertaining. (laughs) It's a great format. I, too, I forget about McSweeney's to my dismay. And then somebody will, like, send me something like this. And I'm like, oh, right. McSweeney's is hilarious. Um, And actually, Sharifa, I'm just going to throw this out here. You used to be a food writer. I did. And I would love food writer takes on sci-fi fantasy. Like little, like, you know, like 
this kind of thing, but food, you could you could nail oh that. Oh my I'm just gosh. Saying. I cannot believe I did not even think about that. Right. Like you could do the travel one too, but I'm just no, thinking yeah. food is an even more specific and perfect angle for you personally. And I would read the bejesus out of that. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> I would read the hell out of that. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do yes! it. <laughs> Now that I have a place to put these things, I'm like, why yes. not? <laughs> why not? You can put it on the internet. It's not like you don't write for a site or something oh. that would publish <laughs> that. <laughs> Amazing. Goodness, that's such a great idea. You heard it here first, y'all. You get a, a percentage of my non-existent yes. commission. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, exactly. The non-existent commission. I will just, that's like the best idea I've had all week. And I've had a pretty good week in idea I, terms. So oh. I'm just going to, I'm going to feel very satisfied with myself. Are you are on fire do. this week. Oh, it's happening. It's all happening. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this makes me so happy. Okay. All right. So to get back to the to focus yes. again for half a second. My last story is also some lighter fare because, you know, the week in the news and y'all, it's it's real out there. But this came across, you know, one of the aggregator emails I got. It's on Design Boom. And I do not see the author's name. Actually, oh, I don't either. For it. But it is all about how Prada is going to design NASA spacesuits. <laughs> and, you know, we talk any chance we get on this show, we talk about. Oh, here it is from Matthew Burgos was the writer on this. I just had to scroll all the way down. So Matthew Burgos wrote up this, you know, Prada and Axiom Space partnership with NASA. And we use any chance we can get on the show to talk about the intersections of, you know, speculative and design because it's such an interesting, fascinating and natural overlap, right? Like the design of the future has produced some iconic, you know, media that then like, you know, it's a feedback loop, like the designs of in like sci-fi and fantasy properties could turn up later in on runways or in, you know, Target or Urban Outfitters or whatever. So it's really interesting. And the fact that like Prada, like Prada, like what? So Prada? Wild. Okay. Prada, sure, is going to design lunar spacesuits for this specific mission. It's the Artemis 3 mission plan for 2025. Which, side note, I didn't know this until I read the story. Also, the first lunar mission that will put a woman on the moon. So that's awesome. We're bringing, like, fashion and some more gender expansion to NASA. Like, love it. Lo I'm here for it. So, yeah, I just think it's interesting. There's, like, basically no details, except for that this is very, like, press release-y. Like, oh, the Prada has so much experience with X, Y, and Z, and they will bring that to the NASA spacesuits. Like, sure, sure. Fine, fine. I just love the concept of this, and I am, like, dying to see what the designs actually look like. So now I'm just going to be like haunting, trying to find where this information is so that I can see the, the Prada spacesuit. That's, I just think that's so fascinating and such a cool, exciting thing. Hopefully. Hopefully cool. Yeah. Now I want to know, like, I can't see ahead to 2025, but I wonder that's if right. like, Fashion week is just going to be full of, like, mm. fashionable astronaut-inspired looks. 
geeks and, you know, spacey sci-fi people stomping the runway in anticipation of this mission. Like, I would love that. Gosh, I hope so. That would be so (laughs) great. I have, like, I am 0% interested in going to space and 100% interested in (laughs) doing fashion astronaut looks. So cool. (laughs) Amazing. That was a good one. I can't wait to see what these are. It's a good one. I know. We just have to wait a little while. All right. Well, that was our last news story. Uh, Let's take another sponsor break and then we'll talk about ghosts. Okay. So I said. I had a complicated relationship with ghosts. I, you know, it's all horror. I have a complicated relationship with all horror because some of it I love and most of it sends me like cowering in a corner with like stuffing things <laughs> into the freezer. Like it's, I'm just, I'm a delicate flower, y'all. And so it's hard sometimes. And ghosts in particular, like I remember seeing the movie The Others in right. like a big you know cinema like experience in college and like i mean i was just like oh god <laughs> like what's and so it but i also really love the concept of ghosts when it's done in a way that i can like handle so you know there's absolutely like terrifying ghosts like you know the ring style stuff is like way beyond yeah. what i can handle and then there's stuff that like borders the line one of which i'm going to talk about And then there's stuff that's fully I can read and it's like great and fine. So, yeah, I have I have a lot of various feelings about ghosts. You know what? I actually this is like a small preview of a theme we're doing at a later episode. But one of my pet peeves is ghost romances. Interesting. They drive me bananas. And I know that like the whole point of a romance is you make it work. But I'm like, no, that's just I can't I can't get behind it. Somebody has to die. Or somebody else has to come back to life and, like, neither of those things are on my, like, list of things that I want for these characters. So, like, you know, anyway, how, how tell me your feelings. <laughs> Yours are so fascinating. I mean, <laughs> mine are, like, kind of basic in that I just tend to, like, I am, I am a big horror fan. And I get, I get scared, but I sort of enjoy mm. that feeling. I loved the others. Like, I also watched in the theater and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have some, like, bad dreams tonight. But I was also like, oh, this is delightful. (laughs) I I don't know what it is. The thing that I do, I do tend to have a more fraught relationship with but still watch a lot of is, like, possession stuff, like. If there are ghosts or demons or whatever that possess people for what for whatever reason, that's like a whole new level of terror for me. That feeling Mm -hmm. of like being completely out of control, not able to, you know, control your own life and what you do. But. In general, I love a ghost story and I love a haunting. Like, it's it's one of my favorite things to read about. So I was really mm. excited 
to dive into this, even though I realize that, as usual, I need to read more science fiction books that have <laughs> ghosts in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually a yeah. lot. When I was doing my research for this, I was like, how to narrow down? Like, how will I narrow this down? There's a ton, which is great. Like, I thought for a second it was going to be harder to find. And then I was like, no, there's plenty. <laughs> there's plenty of like, there's haunted spaceships. There's haunted, you know, people in space. There's all kinds of haunting. There's planets full of ghosts. Like there's all kinds of stuff out there. And we're just barely scratching yeah, the surface. So for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of science fiction and ghosts, that brings us beautifully into my first pick. So I'm just going to dive in here. And I will never pass up a chance to talk about Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee, which is the first in the Machineries of Empire series. So good. So strange. So, like, mind-blowingly weird, like, multiple, you know, award nominations, won the Locust, Locust, mm, there's no T on the end of that, <laughs> Locust Award in 2016. And it's it introduces us to this world where, like, literally the laws of physics, among other things, are controlled by calendars. And so when people are, like, going to war against each other, there's both this, like, religious and scientific battle between their respective calendars to control the laws of physics around them, which is wild. <laughs> wild, I tell you. And into this mess, you know, of course, a war is ongoing. Kel Cheris is a captain in the military, and she uses tactics that are like borderline heresy because they manipulate the calendar in a way that's like close to, you know, not being approved or potentially entirely unapproved. But she wins the battle. But she's like, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get court-martialed for this, but I want to make it out of here alive. So I'm going to do it. And then the end, like, I, I understand that this is going to be very bad for me. So she does get called in. But instead of getting, you know, court-martialed or beheaded or whatever, they're like, yeah, yeah. So the war's not going great. And we have contained the ghost of a military genius who also, you know, perpetuated a massacre for the last hundred years. And we're going to put him in your body <laughs> and you're going to, like, help win the war. And she's like, am I? Am I going to do that? Like, really? I don't know about this. But she doesn't really have a choice. And so, yeah, like, he... She is paired with him in her own body. So a little bit of a possession, actually, when you think about it. And Cheris and Jadao, his name is Shuos Jadao, have to, like, figure out, like, you know, how can they work together? Is he sane? Like, what is going to happen here? And there's so much that goes into this series. I'm obsessed with this series. You've heard me talk about it before if you've been listening to the show for a minute. Like, I... Oh, it's, I have so many feelings. I will say it gets real dark. There's so many content warnings throughout the series. It's very violent. A lot of people experience a lot of different kinds of harm. So, like, go into it knowing that it's not going to be pretty. But it, that's kind of the point. It ain't pretty. And it's really, really good. And Jadao is, like, the way that Kel and Jadao navigate this, like, weird you know sort of possession relationship and like bodily autonomy and sharing of memories and personality and movement and all of these things is fascinating it's fascinating so if that's like an angle of ghosts that you're into this is a real good 
book to pick up on that. Uh, so again, that's Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee. Such a great pick. That is oh. a perfect one. Well, mine is a science fantasy, and it's a series we both love. It's the Lock Tomb series by Tamsin Muir. Yep. And firstly, I still have not read the third book in the series, Nona the Ninth, but I have a stretch. Oh, I know. I have a stretch of time off coming up sometime soon, and that is when I plan to, like, really get into it. Because with the second book, Harrow the Ninth, I really needed to just, like, get into that story. Because this is, like, this series, every book in the series is such an onion. It is just Mm -hmm. so full of unexpected plot twists and character arcs and storytelling devices. Like, it's one of those books where much as I love audiobooks and I have loved, I loved reading Kitty in the Night, the first book in the series Mm -hmm. on audiobook. But I feel like I really need to sit down and look at the words and really take it <laughs> apart because it is so, it can be very disorienting. But it is like mm-hmm. a great book for, you know, if you want something that is dark and full of terrors of a certain kind for mm. the season, this is a good one because it's not really, it's not scary. Even though it's full of nuns who are necromancers and, like, skeletons that come up are raised from the ground and, you know, a mystery that unfolds and people are murdered. And there's a lot of stuff that's gruesome and bloody that happens, but it's not Mm. like... When there are ghosts involved, which I would say, you know, I have not read the third book, so I'm not so sure about that one. I would say Harrow the Ninth is the book that is most filled with ghosts. So even though it is like there are definite, there are possessions and there are ghosts, it doesn't go to that like haunted, scary, you don't know what's around the next corner Mm. place. It's more like mystery and trying to unpuzzle what is happening to the characters and where the story is going, which is just like, it's delightful. Like the storytelling just makes <laughs> that the process wonderful. And some of my favorite characters of all time are in this series, Gideon and Harrowhark, primarily. I just... Love their relationship. They're both from the ninth house. So this is science fantasy. And it goes, you know, from a planet where there are necromancers, these nuns, (laughs) which is such a a strange trope, but I love it. (laughs) And it goes from this planet the ninth house and the story of Gideon and Harrow being called to compete and it turns into this whole locked room mystery situation where they go across space to another planet and then it goes to 
a completely different place in the second book. It still takes place in space and it goes back and forth in time. And you're like, wait a second, did the first book actually happen? Like, why is why is there suddenly a different side of this story that I just read? And that's what I mean in, about like how how discombobulating and interesting the storytelling is but yeah it's it's a great book for halloween and just having a really good time with body gallows humor really interesting characters and just like a feast of horrors and madcap adventure so again i have recommended these books before you have recommended these books and i will never stop recommending them <laughs> and this is a locked tube <laughs> series by tamson muir this is a great <laughs> recommendation and it's so true they're not scary they have they do have some body yeah. horror but i've been able to handle it so far but it's it is it's very like agatha christie but with necromancy and body right horror. and you're like whoa that's a lot that's a lot of things <laughs> And tons of pop culture references. Yeah. Really cool. Perfect reading for this season. Perfect Good reading point. for the season. So uh, it's my turn to be like, oh, I haven't caught up with the series yet. Uh, um, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I know. It's uh, yes, it's it's me. It's me this time. The Edinburgh Night series by T.L. Huchu, which I read the first book, The Library of the Dead, when it came out in 2021. And I was like, this is amazing. I can't wait for the next books. And now there are three of them. And I'm not, <laughs> I haven't read number two yet. So I'm behind. But I, this year, I'm so happy this series exists. It's wild, y'all. Also, don't believe Goodreads has got it classified as YA, but it is not. It is fully adult. I think it gets classified as YA because our protagonist, Ropa, is like, you know, I want to call her a new ah. adult. She dropped out of school. She lives in a sort of parallel version of our world where Edinburgh has, Edinburgh, Scotland has this like extremely shadowy, magical underworld to it. Like, you know, not actually like underworld like hell, just like underneath the surface of the regular modern world. And Ropa is, yeah, she's a young black woman. She lives in Edinburgh with her family and she, her heritage is Zimbabwean and she like is very pragmatic about her life. Like she had to drop out of school because they don't make enough money and she is a ghost talker and ghosts love to talk. So she literally is like the messenger because not everybody can talk to the dead. So let's say that, you know, a mother who died too soon has a message for her son or somebody needs to find out something about they can't find the will. Like, can you talk to grandma and tell, you know, find out where the will is? And, you know, grandma died last week, but like we need mm -hmm. to know where the will is. Like that kind of stuff. Pretty mundane, actually. And she feels like, you know, Possibly this is not the best use of this gift that I have, but like it makes money, so it's going to be good enough. But then she finds out in the course of her duties that someone is bewitching children and leaving them, you know, very drained and damaged. And so she like she gets bugged enough by some ghosts about this that she's like, all right, fine, I will look into this. And of course, you know everything goes to hell in a handbasket. There's a magical library. There's, you know, scrappy, 
like found family feelings. There's a lot of investigation, like trying to follow the clues and then trying to, you know, people trying to kill you while you're trying to follow the clues. It's a wild ride. Like truly, there's like one scene that involves like, you know, a shopping cart and like a mad dash through like the market of, you know, the downtown city being chased by like a police van. Like it's bananas. It's bananas. It's a real ride. And Ropa is so, I love her. She's prickly. She's, like I said, very pragmatic. She's very no-nonsense. And she's a very reluctant heroine, which, like, I'm always here for. Always here for that combo. So, uh, scrappy, scrappy and mad about it. Like, I'm here for it. So, yeah, it's just, and I can't wait. Like, I loved the first book. I'm really excited to continue on Ropa's adventures with her and see what happens to her next. And one day, this is like, this is the month. Maybe this is the month where I'll catch up. But again, that's the Edinburgh Nights series by T.L. Huchu. And the first book is The Library of the Dead. That sounds delightful. And Edinburgh is like the perfect setting for ghost mysteries. Like, so good. I have to check those out. Mm -hmm. I think you'll love it. Well, my next pick is definitely like, okay, you want to feel Halloween. You are looking for all the Halloween movies. You're looking for all the Halloween books. So this is like as deep into the Halloween spirit as you can get. It's The Spite House by Johnny Compton. And this one does have warnings for child death and racism. But this is like your quintessential haunted house story. And it's one of those haunted house stories that involves a family being in a haunted house and not really knowing what to expect, but knowing that there is something very wrong (laughs) with the place (laughs) where they are staying. And I really love this because it was it was like everything I love to watch during Halloween and October and honestly year round. And it also featured a black family, which you do not often see in these haunted house stories. Mm. And this family was particularly endearing and also very mysterious. So it follows the Ross family. And that's Eric and his two daughters, Des and Stacy. Des is 18. Stacy is seven. So Ross is, Eric is taking his family across the country. They're headed to the South for reasons that are not made clear at the top of the book. But there's obviously something wrong. There's a reason that they're leaving their home And it's because they're almost being chased by some problem. And you don't know what it is, but you know that Eric is trying to get to his hometown and he's trying to make sure he can do so without going on the radar. So he has to take odd jobs and do all this strange stuff in order to avoid like showing his identity or sharing his identity with people and being found out. So one of the jobs he takes is too lucrative to pass up, even though it sounds fraught from the beginning. 
there's a spite house, the Masson house, in this small town. And the owner of the Masson house needs somebody to caretake it. And Eric decides to take the job, even though he has, he and his daughter have done some Googling on it and they know it. <laughs> it is no place a person wants to live. It was built by somebody who was taking revenge against the town. So hence the name, a spite house. But he takes this job and the owner of the house is also very mysterious and is appreciative of the fact that Eric is not like a paranormal investigative filmmaker, basically, <laughs> because that is who is generally drawn to the Masson house. And they develop this sort of understanding that they're not going to ask each other questions about what they're trying to get out of this agreement. And Lots of terrible and frightening things begin to happen from there because of this house. And of course, because Eric has two daughters, one of whom is very young and has some interesting abilities, it is especially dangerous. And the two kids get deeply involved in the dangers of this place. So it is, this one does have a twist and it's really great and really horrifying, but, <laughs> but like the unraveling of the story and the mystery of what this family is running away from and what this house represents is really clever and just like a popcorn page churner. So it's just a deeply entertaining, very quick read. So if you if you want that Halloween read, that haunted house story, absolutely check out The Spite House by Johnny Compton. You know, I didn't know what a spite house was until the last like few years, I, I want to say. Either. And now I hear about them everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this is a whole thing. Like, this has been a thing for a long time. Like, people building houses in locations just to like mess yes. with other people is, a, is actually a thing. It's a thing. Like, who knows? I didn't realize <laughs> it until I read this book. I was like, oh, wait, this is like they were doing the whole like we're Googling this spite house thing. And like, yeah, I was like, this doesn't actually sound like fiction. This sounds like a real thing that. No. Happens, so, yeah. And it is. It turns out it is. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. I have yes. two quick shout outs before we close out here. One is a short story. It is only available if you read the collection Get in Trouble by Kelly Link, which you should do anyway. Side note, Kelly Link is an amazing storyteller. But in Get in Trouble, I was reminded that there is a story called Two Houses that is a spaceship haunted, haunted house, haunted room, haunted <laughs> ship. It's yeah. a ghost story in space. It's it's a mind boggler. So well done. Such a big story in such a small package. So I wanted to shout that out. 
And then also Liberty, the amazing Liberty from all the books, wrote a quiz that you can fill out to get a ghost story recommendation. And she has given us many different levels of horrifying. Like I got like the most like fun version of the quiz results, which was correct. And but you can tailor your answers to give you the level of scariness that you want. And it's a really fun quiz. to. T- I love taking a quiz. So I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes as well. Yes, that's a good one. I also have a shout out for Bad Cree by Jessica Johns, which is another great ghost story I read earlier this year that is not just ghostly, but also has some malevolent creatures. So definitely check mm. that one out. That's a great read. But that brings us to the end of our Friday the 13th ghost episode. (laughs) I hope we didn't scare everybody too much. I don't think we did, honestly. (laughs) No, we didn't. (laughs) Thank you for listening. SFF Yeah is sound edited by Caitlin Bray. Many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. For more recommendations, check out bookriot.com. And you can find our other podcasts at bookret.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. Don't forget to send in your holiday gifting questions if you have them this month. We would love to read those. And if you have a minute, please review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. It really does help people find us. And in the meantime, you can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? Yeah, I am intermittently on social media over on Blue Sky and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And I am on Instagram at S-I-N-A-Williams, that's S-C-A-I-N-A-B-Williams. And we'll talk to you next time.